Hello and welcome to Kane and Rinse Sound of Play 132. Welcome to the Enrichment Center. Hello, and welcome to the Enrichment Center. Hello, your specimen has been processed. Hello, your specimen has been processed. Hello, your specimen has been processed. Hello, and we are now ready to begin the test proper. The device has been modified. The device has been modified. The device has been Wednesday and Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Joining me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play 132 is returning guest, Charlotte Cutts. Hi, everybody. You were just recently on the Playwright podcast, and so it feels a bit weird doing the same kind of conversation points, but this is a slightly different <laughs> audience. So uh, why don't you catch people up on some of the interesting kind of writing tasks and stuff that you've been uh, into lately? So lately, my main thing that I've been doing is I've been writing once a week for Destructoid. Um, I used to write a lot on their community blogs, but I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it on the main site now, on the main page. And I mainly do um, commentaries or fun little top seven lists and things like that. And I'm trying to do a bit more podcasting, so I'm looking to be guests on various podcasts, which is why I'm on this podcast and why I was on Playwright. Too. Yeah, that's right. If you want to hunt down Charlotte's Playwright podcast episode, that is number 33 off the top of my head. I believe that's correct. And uh, that should have gone out about a week and a half before this one. So um, that should still be fresh in your podcast feeds if you're interested in getting into that. And again, Playwright podcast is one that I host with Ryan Quintel, uh, who has also been a guest on Sound of Play uh, numerous times in the past where we basically just come up with 
original ideas for video games and um, kind of workshop them between the two of us or sometimes the three of us when we have a guest on. And it's just meant to be kind of a creative exercise in coming up with weird, wacky video game ideas and uh, getting them to the point at which they would be feasible to start building. So, um, yeah, just kind of throwing some more kind of ingenuity into the uh, sometimes it can feel kind of stale industry. We've got lots of great indie stuff always, but uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to walk into a GameStop or a it Target's game aisle and see a bunch of kind of gunmetal gray game covers looking back at you. And anyways, that's a different podcast. Let's get into some of the music that we have in front of us today. We came in with a... A piece of fan music, a fan of the game, not fan of the podcast, although who knows, could be a listener. <laughs> uh, this is one that I, uh, a remix I remember from back in high school, I used to listen to this, so it's a well old one by now. Uh, but this is called The Device Has Been Modified and is produced by Victims of Science. And it's uh, put together using not only sound effects from, from Portal and some of the voice clips, of course, but also a lot of original music as well. And I think it does a really great job of capturing the essence of, of Portal, so to speak. An electronic remix is going to work really well when the characters are all robots and when there's a certain amount of glitchiness kind of inherent in the uh, design of the game, not the the game aspect of the game but the uh the world of the game the world that the game creates and uh, i think it is all leveraged really well in this remix i've always really liked this one and uh, they came out with a slightly longer version uh, which is the one that i'm playing for you all today it's just uh, a really kind of wonderful and it keeps a good pace i would say it's, it's the best way to describe it charlotte are you a big portal fan I haven't played Portal or Portal 2 in a Really? Oh, you've got a wonderful weekend ahead of you. <laughs> no, no, I have, but not in a really, really, oh, okay. really long time. Um Sorry, I should let you finish your sentences before I react with such surprise. No, it's it's fine. Um actually the thing is I I've talked about this on a couple of the podcasts I've been on. There was a huge stretch where I barely played any games for like five or six years. But one of the games I did play was the first Portal. And um, I had a really, really fun time with it. It's it's one mm. of those games, I think, where um, hardcore gamers will really love it. But also there's something there for more casual players as well. Yeah. Um, just the puzzle aspect of it. Anything that involves puzzles is totally um, up my street. It's one that I've not really felt the need to go and revisit, to be honest. But I did have a great time with the time I spent with Portal. Yeah, Portal is one, uh, as as you said, kind of those slow-paced puzzle games are really good for uh, non-gamers, to use that word, to uh, kind of wrap their minds around and take things kind of at their own pace. Uh, towards the end of Portal 1, uh, there's a little bit more kind of momentum-based stuff and timing-based stuff, but uh, it's typically kind of a whatever pace you choose to take it at, which is wonderful. It's just um, the non-gamer people that I tend to introduce it to because I think it's kind of an essential work of of 21st century fiction often have a hard time with the first person viewpoint mm. you know that kind of standard thing where you're trying to look in a certain place and you end up looking straight up and then you end up looking straight down at the floor and you know have a, a difficult time with that but mm. otherwise it's uh really cool more accessible than your typical kind of half-life 2 or even a metroid prime so mm. if you're into that kind of thing of course we would uh, not hesitate to recommend Portal and uh, its wonderful musical legacy. Yeah. Charlotte, you are bringing in another game that is probably uh, more accessible for, uh, say, casual gamers, although that would be casual gamers with a huge allotment of of free time. I'm not 100% sure I'd agree with you on that because... This game is a super polarizing game. There's going to be a lot of people yep. who play this who are going to be able to absolutely hate it, and there's going to be a lot of people who love it. As far as uh, as mechanical barriers, though, I'd imagine it's lower. Although sometimes the uh, battle systems in JRPGs can get quite involved, so uh, maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um. Well, I think. Um. Shall I say what game it is now? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> yeah, it's Final Fantasy Thirteen. Um. The whole paradigm shifting system, um, it's very heavily strategy and timing based. 
So um, for me, I love strategy and, and games that involve um, really minute timing. So for me, it was an easy system to get the hang of. But if you're not used to that type of system, it will be very difficult. But um, the whole like swapping um, the roles of your different characters around to suit, suit the battle. So having a sentinel, so like somebody who can just take hits at certain parts of the battle and then maybe switching so that you have two healers when you can see that you're team's about to die. Um, I found that system super engaging and um, I had played Final Fantasy 15 before that and I'd mm-hmm. also tried 10 and 12 and wasn't quite sure, but I absolutely loved 15 and then when I played 13, it just cemented that I wanted to carry on playing Final Fantasy games and that I should go back to the other ones, mm. um, which a lot of people are going to be like, what the hell? Like, those are the worst Final Fantasy games, but... Yeah, I, I I love 13. Still not quite finished it, but what I have played, like a good 20, 25 hours of it, I've loved. Um, maybe maybe actually close to 15. Um, and I've finished 15. I I just love them. So. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to push on with the 13 sequels? I believe there's two sequels. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have 13-2 in my collection that I'm, I mm-hmm. need to actually finish 13 first because I'm stuck on one of the boss battles. Um, mm. And I'm definitely going to move on to that one. I've heard mixed opinions. People who liked um, 13, there's mixed opinions as to whether they actually like Lightning Returns or not. Um, mm-hmm. I probably will get around to it at some point, but my backlog is so big that it might take a while. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Cool. And so what is it about this piece of music? Does it kind of represent a moment in the game or is it just the sound of it that you really like? Um, it's both. So um, it's very sort of ethereal, very sort of airy mm-hmm. track. Um, and it's also tied to a point in the game where like the thing with Final Fantasy 13 is you have to get past the first couple of hours. The first couple of hours is a complete drag. But then once you get to the vestige um, area, which is the title of the song, it starts to open up a bit and you start to get dragged into the story more and you you kind of get a better idea of what's going on. And um, this is just the point in the game where I started to really gel with it and I started to become genuinely fascinated in um, what was going to happen with the characters. And this is where they, they, they're sort of like getting to the heart of the mystery and um, things take a, a pretty drastic turn um, not long after this song plays, but really it marks the, the start of the story starting to blossom. This is The Vestige by Masashi Hamazu, Mitsudo Suzuki, Ryo Yamakazi, and Junya Nakano.
Our next track comes from the forum. This is a request from CodeMonkey who says, I always loved the Super Nintendo and was very excited when they announced the SNES Mini. I didn't pre-order it and it seemed to be out of stock for ages, but I managed to track one down recently by chance when browsing in a local Smith's. The machine itself is not perfect with short controller cables, no included wall power adapter, and no option for 16.9 widescreen. Why in 2017 did Nintendo not make the controllers wireless is a head scratcher, but all those minor gripes disappear when you play that fantastic library of 21 pre-installed games. Yes, they are emulated, and you can't plug in your original SNES carts, and some people will scoff at paying so much for what is essentially a fairly expensive and underpowered box to play emulated SNES games, but they would be missing the point. What the SNES Mini is is a very tidy and convenient way to play those old classics on a modern HDTV through HDMI and the brilliant original SNES controller. No messing around with button settings, emulation configuration, frames per second optimization, or firmware upgrades. In short, it just simply works flawlessly out of the box, and the mini machine itself just looks beautiful under the telly. Takes about two seconds to boot up or shut down, and can save the state anywhere in the game, and even rewind to a point earlier in the game. What other console can you start playing a game in less than five seconds these days? Maybe the Switch. (laughs) It also has that Nintendo magic that other emulators don't have. When left on the game library menu for a minute, Mario would appear, run around the menu, and pick a random save state and show a replay of the last minute of gameplay. What a fantastic screensaver slash attract mode that is. It just encourages you to save a state just so you can watch a replay of it later or to show you your friends and family. The icing on this fantastic package is the menu screen music. It's a shorter, minute-ish long, whimsical tune in the style of the SNES sound chip. It has that special Nintendo nostalgic sound that is jolly and playful and can be listened to for hours without driving you up the wall. It's very catchy and a bit of an earworm, and it takes me right back to being a kid again and gives you that warm, fuzzy, happy feeling that all the best music should. I'm not sure who composed this, but here is the Super Nintendo Classic Mini Menu Theme Music. Enjoy. Yes, this is just called Menu. And uh, as he said, we don't know who composed this, but I would guess it's uh, Kazumi Tutaka because it sounds a lot like his style in that kind of, um, you know, Yoshi music or Mario paint mm-hmm. music kind of way. I that That's who I would probably assign this to, but we don't know that for sure. <laughs> Could be anybody. Um, And of course, this comes from the Super Nintendo Classic Edition, which came out in 2017, uh, which was also the um, debut of uh, Star Fox 2. And I've uh, I've picked up one of these. uh, Charlotte, have you bought one of these little consoles yet? (laughs) No, I have not. To be honest, it's been getting a bit tempting the past month or two. Mm -hmm. But when it first came out and when the um, the NES version came out, I was very, very skeptical because, um, primarily because I am friends with a lot of people who run retro gaming events and they still have original Mm -hmm. hardware and cartridges. So I'm just like, well, why would I, why would I get this (laughs) when I can just get an uh, SNES from my friend, (laughs) you know? And, um, also the fact that, um, also know a lot of people I could borrow a Wii U off and play virtual console games. Mm. So it really didn't feel like there was much... I mean, it would be nice to have. I'm not saying that I would actively, if I had one, I'd give it away. But um, it's quite low down the list of gaming hardware that I would like to purchase if I had endless amounts of money. Though I really really liked the track because it really reminded me of the Wii Shop music. It has a very kind of classic feeling to it as well. Of course, the original SNES never had system menus in the way that we're accustomed to now. Mm. But uh, I just love the the presentation of the menus and the music, and it all feels so kind of authentic to that period in, in time. So uh, yeah. let's go ahead and listen to the menu music from the SNES Classic Edition. <laughs> Thank you. 
We have another request from the forum. This comes from PLQC. I don't know if that's supposed to be pronounced or uh, just an acronym like that. I wonder what it means. Interesting. Uh, anyways, this track I'm submitting is Galaxy's Greatest Pirate from the game Flint Hook. My girlfriend bought the game since she heard about the game from one of the developers, Montreal's own Tribute Games. She didn't play it for very long since she found it to be a bit difficult for her more casual tastes, so I'm the one who ended up playing it the most. The game itself is very good, a fun roguelike platformer with an interesting setting, but the real standout here is the music. This song is the first one you hear while the game is booting up. It's very short, but it gets you pumped right away for what's to come, and good luck getting it out of your head. Yes, as uh, as I was putting together the year-end kind of musical uh, medley, the the remix, the kind of 40-minute remix that um, I put together of, of 2017 video game music towards the end of last year, which you can find on uh, on one of our previous Sounds of Play. Um, it would have been the, uh, the last one that we released last year, if you want to look that up. Uh, or you can watch the video with a bunch of game footage from all of those games uh, compiled together on the Canon Rinse YouTube channel. But anyways, I came across a whole bunch of um, video game music that I hadn't encountered before as I was pouring through video game soundtracks, and this was one of the standouts to me. I was really happy to include this one, and I have a feeling that uh, the next few sounds of play, I might be inclined to include a few of the uh, music pieces that I discovered for that project, and so you might hear some familiar pieces if you're um, if you're a fan of that remix, but... Yes, this was one of the standouts. I really love this. It's a very simple piece of music. It's it's a it just kind of loops a couple of bars, but it has such a good energy. It has a really catchy tune, and it just feels really intense and energetic. And I I really really love this one. Uh, Charlotte, do you typically get on with uh with roguelikes? Okay, this is embarrassing. I am not hundred percent sure what that term means. You're gonna oh, have to explain it to me. <laughs> That's no problem. That is uh, when a game, uh, instead of being like a linear progression through mm. a storyline, it's um, every time you start the game, you kind of begin again at the beginning and you just kind of push and see how far you can get. And I so see. this game's like Rogue Legacy and The Binding of Isaac, where you're always, mm. or, or um, Spelunky as well, where you're always kind of starting over. And sometimes there's kind of incremental things you can achieve in each of these runs to make future runs a little easier or to to give you a greater uh, variety of uh, of arsenal of, of weapons or power-ups and stuff but it's uh, typically kind of just randomized you go in and you, you get what you get and you just try to see as, uh, how far you can make it mm. um i have to say that distinctly sounds like something i would not like <laughs> i like to see progress and um Going yeah. back to the beginning and doing something over and over again sounds like I would get bored of that really fast. But mm. I, I would have to actually um, try some of the games before I could make a definitive um, okay. statement. So should probably try something like this game. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the ones that are the most popular, the ones that people tend to like the most are uh, The Binding of Isaac, which mm -hmm. probably takes a little bit of time to get into to really kind of wrap your mind around because it's a, mm. a fairly dense game i would say yeah. and then um and uh spelunky which is a lot more accessible and uh, it's a platformer and so it's really mm. kind of immediately understand what's going on pick up and play the levels are always randomized but there's always a lot of um it, it feels like they're all kind of carefully designed but it's just mm. because the algorithms that they use to procedurally generate these levels are are really really good so uh, spelunky is probably a good place to start if yeah. you're interested in exploring the roguelike genre mm. but anyways this is some uh, some wonderful roguelike music this is galaxy's greatest pirate by patrice beauregard from flint hook <laughs> This next song is a request of mine. I have been recently playing through 
The Legend of Zelda Triforce Heroes, one of the very few that I hadn't played before. And uh, I saw this at um, uh, for, for very inexpensive at the Nintendo Company Garage Sale, which we have every year around December. They just kind of unload a bunch of stuff that they've that they had lying around oftentimes there's there's rows of games from ds and wii u and 3ds and you know um there's a bunch of accessories so i picked up a couple of wiimote pluses as well you you never know when you're going to need one of those and uh and and sometimes um promotional posters or even a cabinet displays uh, that we would have used for our retail partners. I picked up Triforce Heroes because I've always been curious about it. It didn't get a super strong reception at launch, but um, you know, I liked some of the Zelda games that traditionally hadn't been popular in the past, and I thought that it would have been really cool to see if maybe this one's a bit of a forgotten gem that people were put off by the multiplayer focus, but you know, maybe it was really and underappreciated and, uh, uh, yeah, kind of a hidden treasure. Um, in my time with it, though, I've uh, not really liked it that much. I found the level design to be uh, just kind of middling at best, not really to the level that you would expect with, with Zelda games. There's a lot more instances of frustration, of kind of cheap deaths, I would feel. I feel like it would be a lot easier if I was playing this with other people, but I'm playing it as a single player. So there are two, uh, they're not even AI controlled additional links at any time. I have to manually swap between them and then they just kind of turn into unmoving statues when I'm not using them. And so uh, there's a lot of retreading the same grounds. There's a lot of uh, difficulty in doing anything that's timing based because I have to be playing all three roles at once and uh, that could be really difficult. There's a couple of boss battles that are very poorly designed and that are just real slogs. Uh, I, I think it'd probably be easier with more people, but uh, it's just not really, not really a game that I uh, that I appreciate that much. But um, what I do really like is the writing is super funny, very clever, and a bit of a piss take on the whole Zelda formula. There's a lot of kind of making fun of. Uh, the Zelda formula in the script. It's very subversive and uh, quite funny throughout. Um, especially, I, I'd say the first like 10 minutes of the game is just kind of wildly funny. And so if anybody has it lying around, I would recommend at least going through the first 10 minutes because, uh, gosh, it's got, some, uh, it's got some good moments in there. Uh, and then also the soundtrack is phenomenal like throughout. It's one of the better Zelda soundtracks, and that's high praise already. And it's just so different from any of the other Zelda soundtracks because it has this kind of interesting, almost like a French influence to it. Uh, the entire game is kind of based around a kingdom that prides itself on fashion, and it's based on uh, costume changes. And so there's a lot of fashion elements, and so it brings in some of that kind of high-class Parisian uh, influence into some of its music and uh, the song that I'm playing today is called Madame Couture's and she is the the shop owner of the costume shop in the the village and she's very kind of uh, snooty and kind of unpleasant to be around but uh, just a really funny really funny character and I just love that this music is so playful it's it has that it, it feels like a riff off of kind of snooty department store music, but with a really playful edge to it. And um, and yeah, this is just an indication of how consistently good the Triforce Heroes soundtrack is. So even if you don't get on with the game, I would recommend listening to the music. Uh, this is composed by Ryo Nagamatsu. Charlotte, how many of these uh, Zelda games have you played in the past? I remember the last Sound of Play we recorded, we talked about how um, this was when Breath of the Wild had just about been released. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about how um, I didn't really know a whole lot about Zelda, which is really bizarre because everybody mm. who's in games seems to love Zelda. Um, and that hasn't changed, really. I haven't played any Zelda since then. Um, okay. we, we've we've realized like talking to people on Twitter that I'm probably best starting with Wind Waker and my boyfriend mm. has a Wii U with Wind Waker but somehow the, the trade of me taking his Wii U and him taking perhaps my PS3 or something just hasn't happened 
So mm. I will play more Zelda soon, I promise. But <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> it's it's um it's a question it's as with everything, when you work full time and you have other commitments, it's a question yeah. of time. Yeah, there's a, a weird little subset of Zelda games that are the multiplayer Zelda games. There's Four Swords, Four Swords mm. Adventures and uh, Triforce Heroes, which are probably the more divisive Zelda games among the the main series lineup, but they're kind of hit and miss. I didn't think mm. Four Swords Adventures was particularly strong either, but Four Swords, the original, was um, really, really good. So uh, yeah, there's a bunch of variety in the Zelda series and a bunch of variety in the Zelda series music. And mm. you'll hear that now with Madame Couture by Ryo Nakamatsu. <laughs> interested in more Legend of Zelda music, we've done an entire Sound of Play special on the Legend of Zelda back on uh, Sound of Play 50. That is two hours of Legend of Zelda music and discussion. Let's move over to a, uh, do I understand this correctly, that this is a uh, visual novel type of game or does this have more kind of management aspects as well? It's hard for me to tell from, uh, I've not played the game myself, but it, it feels like it might be a hybrid of both. It's sort of more, um, it's a bartending simulator, Um, (laughs) but with, um, by serving the punters and by uh, getting drinks correct, that's how you unlock some of the dialogue and some of the um, Mm. steam achievements, for example. Um, Yeah, so it's a really, it's a very strange game when you're trying to describe it to other people, but it was like a sleeper, a sleeper hit for me. Uh, when I played mm. it last year, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, and I, I really did love it. And this, of course, Valhalla, which mm. was on the uh, the Vita as well as the standard arrangement of computer, PC, Mac, Linux type of machines. Yeah, as far as I understand, though, Europe still hasn't um, got it on the Vita. There's there's been some problems mm. with um, like Valhalla and 2064 read only memories have um, mm-hmm. sort of 
they share a universe and their uh, people who made them sort of communicate a lot. And it feels like both of them have had problems oh, with getting their games released in Europe that Peggy's mm. been dragging their feet a bit. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure it might have come out by now, but last time I heard Valhalla is still PC only in Europe. I was going to ask about 2064 read-only memories because I remember these games seem to come out at around a similar time and they have kind of a similar look to them. And so I think mm. there was a lot of kind of mindshare confusion between the two games. So yeah. um, did you play read-only memories or is Valhalla the only one that you've jumped into so far? Yeah. Before I say that, I want to apologize for how badly I'm mispronouncing all the names in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 2000, um, 2064 read-only memories. Um, I'm playing that through right now. And actually last week's article I wrote for Destructoid was basically me um, getting drunk off cocktails, trying to recreate <laughs> some of the cocktails mm. in um, read-only memories. That's not um, a bad work assignment at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quite, <laughs> quite a pleasant Quite quite a bad next day, but <laughs> read only memories is more of a um, solving a crime type game and more of a, a point and click adventure style game. The environment and because they share um, universes, um, it's just as enthralling from what I've played so far as as Valhalla. I just love neo, the Neo San Francisco universe. I would not want to live in Neo San Francisco. It's a pretty horrible mm. place to live, but as an observer, it's a really interesting universe. And what is it about this piece of music that uh, stands out among the soundtrack? I love the entire soundtrack. I just picked this one because it's it happens to be... Um, so when you're starting your bartending day, you can pick songs for the jukebox. Um, so you can completely shape the soundtrack that's playing in the background for that entire in-game day yourself. Um, and Umamoto was one of the tracks I just happened to pick pretty much all the time. So I I picked that one, but the entire soundtrack pretty much is a knockout. And uh, Michael Kelly, the um, composer, has the um, soundtrack on Bandcamp. So I would definitely recommend buying it as I did. Um, also, I just want to say that the Read Only Memories um, soundtrack by, he's called Tumelo on Twitter, um, is also on Bandcamp. And that is also excellent. And you should definitely go and check out if you if you if you're able to you should definitely check out both of them and buy them because it's really important to support these um small music producers cool and then if you have interest in the game and you're wanting to find it on steam or in the playstation network depending on what consonant you're on apparently uh this is spelled va-11 hall-a so it's um yeah if you just search for valhalla maybe the algorithms would be smart enough to put you in the right direction but uh <laughs> It is a little bit more kind of cyberpunk than it sounds when we're describing it. So let's listen to Umimoto by Michael Kelly.
Our next track is another request from the forum. This comes from Craig, who says, Please allow me a moment of self-indulgence. This autumn will mark the fifth anniversary of me moving to Japan, and one of my favorite times of the year is summer. I've grown to love the unavoidable choirs of cicadas, summer fruits, and I've gotten used to the ridiculous, all-encompassing humidity. And with summer come summer festivals all over Japan. Different towns have different festivals to mark the occasion, so there's always something going on. People gather together wearing yukata, a lighter summer kimono-style garment, eat food from stalls, and spirits are high. One thing you'll often see is a bone adori of many people dancing together. This track from Rhythm Tengaku is a part of a mini-game which has you performing one of these dances that just brings back memories of summer nights with friends, enjoying the crowds, waiting for fireworks, and trying to forget about the inevitable mosquito bites. The song is a pitch-perfect rendition of the kind of song you would hear around the time, and it has a rhythm-heaven playfulness which just allows you to forget any negativity and just focus on having a bit of silly fun, a perfect summer tune. Yes, this is called The Bonadori by Tsunk, I think he pronounces his name, and Masami Yone, and this is from, I believe it's from <laughs> Rhythm Tengoku, although he mentions Rhythm Heaven in the... Uh, in the correspondence, which is the title for the DS game, but Rhythm Tengaku is the name of the Game Boy Advance game, and so I'm going to guess this is from the Game Boy Advance one, which was also out on uh, Arcade, which is probably where this kind of higher quality uh, vocal sample rip came from, because I'm not remembering it in my time with the DS game, but uh, I didn't beat the DS game because it got quite difficult uh, towards the latter half, so... Maybe it is from the DS one and uh, I have this mislabeled, but I'm going to uh, just guess that this is the Game Boy Advance arcade version instead. Uh, But yeah, this is a really pleasant tune. It definitely has that Rhythm Heaven feeling to it. And uh, gosh, it just makes me very happy listening to it. (laughs) This is the Bonadori from Rhythm Tengaku. of music is from Headlander, which is a double fine produced Adult Swim distributed game from 2016 in which you play a... Now, I'm not, I'm not played the game, so I don't know exactly the setup for the story, but you play kind of a head in a jar who's able to Ooh. rocket around this Metroidvania-like uh, space station and attach yourself to various bodies uh, to solve puzzles. I don't know if your character was decapitated or whether you came as a head in a jar from the beginning, but it's an interesting setup and one that I have on Steam that I'm, uh, you know, just kind of working my way down the backlog to get to. But I really like the soundtrack. The music is consistently really good. This piece of music and uh, I guess the entire soundtrack I should highlight has a really interesting mix of instruments and uh, a lot of it is 
is, is very kind of powerful synthy music. And a lot of it is uh, composed with, um, with really clear acoustic instruments as well. And I just love the mixture between those two. It's just really, really powerful and, and gripping. And uh, yeah, I just always love when, when those types of sounds are mixed together. Now, Double Fine produced a number of, of kind of lower profile uh, mid-budget games uh, as opposed to the kind of higher budget and bet the farm all on one game games that they used to produce at the Psychonauts and uh, Broken Age and Brutal Legend where they felt more like, uh, you know, just short of like AAA productions. Uh, but lately they've been doing more kind of digestible um, small scale projects that they seem to have been having a fair amount of success on. Uh, Charlotte, do you are you a fan of the Double Fine Studio and some of their um, you know, mid-size productions? Um, I wouldn't really say so. Okay. I have a bit of a... Um, I mean, I know Double Fine is um, what Tim Schafer... That's correct. Mm-hmm. Tim Schafer is up yes. to now. I don't know. I've just had so many bad experiences with older Tim Schafer games. It's kind of poisoned... Oh, my opinion a little bit. I don't know. I, I The problem is I wanted to love games like Day of the Tentacle and Grim Fandango, but when it gets to like the moon logic, which Kane and Rins talked about during their Grim Fandango podcast, um, in, in those games where you really just have to sit down with a guide unless you're very good at these, um, these types of point and click games, it just kind of ruins mm-hmm. the experience for me. So I've kind of... Um, like as I say, when you work full time and you don't have that much time to play games, you kind of want to pick games where you don't have to sit with a guide to progress and then spoil the experience, you know. So okay. I can't really make it's probably a bad opinion to have, but I just can't really um, say that I'm that excited when I see that anything's coming from Double Fine. I I, I quite liked what I played of Psychonauts, so I'm looking forward to anything. Mm, further that they managed to actually put out under that franchise but anything else doesn't really catch my attention that much that's a totally justifiable opinion some of those old point and click adventure games uh, do get very very oblique from time to time so i i totally understand where you're coming from there anyways this is the headlander awakes by david gregory earl from headlander
We have one more track to listen to today. Remember, you can venture over to our forum at canerinse.com forum. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at canerinse. We also have a Patreon. If you search for canerinse on Patreon, I believe that's also just patreon.com slash canerinse, um, where you can support our shows financially if you choose to do so. Uh, every little bit helps and all gets put back into the show where we um, we pay for our editing software. It can get to be an expensive venture from time to time, but our patrons make it all possible. If you are a patron, then you will receive the Kane and Rinse podcast a week before everybody else. And I guess you can hang that over the heads of all of your friends, <laughs> you know, make them all jealous uh, and uh, and engage with the with the conversation around these games a little bit sooner. So it's just a nice little bonus, but nothing is locked away from the non-patrons. We want to be clear that we want to uh, distribute everything to everybody eventually, but patrons just get a little taste of it first. Uh, I would like to thank Charlotte Cutts for joining me again today. Is there anything that you would like to plug uh, now that you've got our listeners' attention? Just to say, watch out for anything I put on Destructoid. I, I tend to post once a week on the weekend. Um, some of it's just silly nonsense that I just um, think is fun. And then some sometimes I do more serious pieces. So And just, just see what I produce, um, produce there. And also... Who knows? I'm looking to guest on more podcasts. So if you happen to have a podcast, then um, you can contact <laughs> mm. me on C Cuts Games on Twitter. Yes, that is C C U T T G A M E S. So uh, C- oh, sorry, C- with an S in the middle. I with forgot an S the S. <laughs> no worries. C C U T T S Games. There yes. we go. <laughs> Bingo. The last track that you're bringing us today is one that I'm very interested in. I am about probably an hour into the first Steins Gate, but I'm not yet to the point where I've really had that um, that moment of where you're not able to put a visual novel down. I always end up getting there with the uh, the Zero Escape series and um, with Danganronpa, where you get kind of hooked into the story. And, and now I, I think I'm still kind of in the introductory setup uh, portions mm. of the games. And so it's um, you know, one that I've kind of struggled to keep up with over the the past few months, but I'm I'm definitely interested in learning more about it because it's a very highly regarded series of visual novels. But um, yeah, I, I I I'm going to surrender it to you to tell us all about this game and uh, and what about the music makes it makes it stand out. As with all five PB games, five PB visual novels, I would I would say Ryan that you kind of have to. Be patient and that the the, the <laughs> uh-huh. first maybe 10 hours of the game is just like fan service Ooh, and filler <laughs> it's it's a That's very a slow burner <laughs> but I, I sympathize because i'm playing chaos child at the minute and i'm having exactly mm. the same problem but anyway um for the uninitiated um the steins gate series is all about time travel and um the multiverse theory and all this kind of thing and it's about um a group of t- teenagers young adults in Akihabara in uh, Tokyo and they are um, they are messing around with this time jumping technology and as you can imagine it goes pretty badly that's probably not much for spoiler it goes pretty badly wrong and the um, series is about them trying to um, fix the problems that they cause and trying to um, create a better world through using this technology. So um, this specific track is from Steins Gate Zero. So that's kind of the sequel slash it sort of also covers some more of what's going on in the first Steins Gate. And this is the track that accompanies what was for me one of the most heartbreaking moments in Steins Gate Zero. And to keep it very vague, um, one of the main time jumping characters has just time jumped and she's time jumped with a very young child who's a family friend and they are completely on their own in this new version of Tokyo that they've arrived in and um, the the main character who's a teenager herself is having to be strong for this young child who doesn't understand and is just crying for her mother and um, she she has to be um, stone cold and kind of just get on with her task that she's been 
um, being given to sort of not mess everything up while there's this child who just doesn't understand what's going on. And this song is playing in the background and it was like, you know, aside from one moment in Steins Gate, which was really shocking, it was like the one moment in the entire series where I was like trying not to cry, holding my controller, being like, oh no. Mm. So you played <laughs> yeah. this on uh, on the TV? Yes, actually. Um, I had the original Steins Gate I had for my PS3 and Steins Gate Zero I had for the Vita version, but I played it on the PS TV. So oh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. All right, well, let's listen to Isolation by Takeshi Abo from Steins Gate Zero, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. 